0: Today on Around Kansas, Deb looks back to the vice presidency of Charles Curtis. We start off by visiting the Kerwin National Wildlife Refuge. On the front porch is Bill Jenneroo. Next, it's Ron Wilson back with another piece of cowboy poetry. We end with Michelle Martin and the story of Jason Bartles and Nelson Carr, who fought in the Sixth Regiment against the Confederacy.
1: Closed captioning brought to you by Ag Promo Source. Together we grow. Learn more at agpromosource.com. This segment brought to you by Kansas Corn. Learn more at kscorn.com.
2: Welcome to Around Kansas. I'm Deb Goodrich. Well, here we are, done with January. We made it this far, so let's keep our fingers crossed for the rest of the year. So, lots of historic things happening, and of course, the Inauguration of Kamala Harris was one of those, and it has reignited a lot of interest in Charles Curtis, native to Pekin, who was our first person of color to serve as Vice President of the United States. If you go to our Facebook page, you will find a link to a short film that we did with the Shawnee County Historical Society and the Kansas... Um, um, Humanities, I can't think of what their name is, Kansas Something for the Humanities. Uh, So sorry, but we did that a few years ago and we will put up a link for that on our Facebook page and a link for an article that I wrote um, two or three years ago for Wild West Magazine about the life of Charles Curtis. Um, Ken Spurgeon and I are working on a book as we speak, so Lots of timely things. And then, of course, many of you saw on CBS Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago, our friends Pauline Sharp and Jim Pepper Henry of the Kaw Nation speaking about Charles Curtis. So we're very happy that um, Charles Curtis, our Charlie, is in the news. And, of course, one of the big um, pieces of news surrounding Curtis in Kansas is that his home in Topeka is up for sale. Don and Nova Cottrell, who dedicated their lives pretty much to restoring that home, have both passed away, and they were such gracious people and so devoted to that place and to telling his story. And um, we just miss them so much, but we hope that a buyer can be found that will preserve that home and keep it open to the public and... Um, you know, something can be done to to save the history and all the hard work that Don and Nova put in over the years. So um, that's right um, uh, just a block or two from the State House. It's beautiful, uh, kind of eclectic um, architecture from what I understand. It has Moorish influences with its domes and just all kinds of stuff going on with that house, but the woodwork inside was just absolutely stunning, just so beautiful, and they worked so hard, oh my goodness, years and years and years, and collecting items that were period appropriate, if not from the house itself or from the family, so yeah, we we hope that something can can be done about that um lots of other things going on so if you want to share something with us just let me know send me an email i want to put in a plug real quick for our friends at grass and grain i have a weekly column there and i am just always amazed by the people that say hey i read your column in grass and grain and of course lots of other friends have columns in there too and it's just a wonderful publication so make sure you uh give a nod to grass and grain, and um, if you do anything related to the ag world at all, you'll find this publication very, very interesting. We've got a great show, show really great show. we got a really great show for you.
3: Howdy, I'm Seth Hayes, and welcome to my hometown from then to now. Council Grove has a rich history as deep as the prairie tall grass. Spend the day visiting 25 historic sites or explore the unique shops and restaurants or mosey out of town along the Santa Fe Trail. Y'all visit my hometown, Council Grove, in the heart of the Flint Hills.
1: ValleyVet.com is your one-stop shop for your every animal need. From prescription meds, vaccines, equipment, and more, for the ranch to the show ring, shop ValleyVet.com for fast shipping and great prices. Ag Promo Source is a unique group of marketing specialists with one mission, help your ag business grow. Each affiliate has their own area of expertise and they work together to bring you advice, products, and services. To get started, visit AgPromoSource.com. AgPromoSource, together we grow.
2: Many of you are aware and are probably bird watchers and know much more than I do, but Kansas is a very significant flyover, not just for airplanes, but for birds. And so those birds that are flying over got to stop and have a place to rest. So let's take a look today at the Kerwin National Wildlife Refuge. What a fascinating place and I believe that they are open, that the visitor center is open even during COVID. You might check it out, but the refuge will, will be open no matter what. So um, check them out. Uh, do give them a call or, or you know uh, ask just to make sure, but my information tells me that they're always keeping the gates open. So let's take a look at this incredible wildlife refuge. Kerwin National Wildlife Refuge was established to conserve, maintain, and manage wildlife and habitat for migratory birds. The nearly 11,000-acre Kerwin Refuge is located in the rolling hills and narrow valley of the North Fork of the Solomon River in Phillips County. The refuge lies in an area where the tall grass prairies of the east meet the short grass plains of the west. As a result of this merging of prairies and plains, Grasses and wildlife common to both habitats are found on the refuge. Over 10,000 migrating waterfowl can be seen on the refuge during fall through early winter. Other migratory birds, including the endangered hooping crane, can be found on the refuge. Since the emphasis is on migratory birds, the refuge provides food, shelter, and nesting areas for migratory birds such as grassland dependents, tree-dwelling, neotropicals, waterfowl, and shorebirds. Depending on reservoir water levels, refuge staff use a variety of management practices. Corn, wheat, and milo are grown through a cooperative farming program with a portion of the crop left in the field to provide food for migrating waterfowl and resident wildlife. Other management tools include grazing, brush control, haying, mowing, and control burning to minimize disturbance to wildlife and to comply with federal laws policies and regulations these activities are prohibited on the refuge camping fires water skiing personal watercraft like jet skis speed boating swimming collecting plants animals including antlers or historical artifacts fireworks dogs and other pets must be on a leash littering disorderly conduct, intoxication, commercial use, including guiding. The list of don'ts is long because the number of birds depending on this site is so long. Respect the property and its purpose. Take the kids and do some amazing bird gazing. Welcome to the Western Kansas Wildlife Travel Center, right here in my hometown of Oakley, Kansas. We're the front door of Western Kansas, located on three main highways, I-70, U.S. 83, and U.S. 40. And all those roads lead to history, beautiful scenery, and adventure, no matter which direction you go. We now have an IHOP. That brand that you've trusted up and down the road in all your travels is staffed with local folks, real people, just like you and me, and we're waiting on you to join us. So for fun, adventure, fuel up, fuel your body, and let's have some fun.
1: This segment brought to you by Bob Schwartz Financial. Values, commitment, transparency. Today on Around Kansas, we visit with Bill Jinneroo. Bill is a professor at K-State Polytechnics, but he takes us back to a look at his time on the Battleship Missouri, during the Gulf War, firing the big guns. The job is called fire control.
4: Not putting out fires, but controlling the, the firing of weapons. So that could be missiles, guns, or what have you. And yeah, so that's what I wound up being assigned to the big guns on the battleship. Mm. And so, yeah, a lot, um, especially other fire control men who have other, other types of weapon systems they work on. Wow, I see those big guns and wish that I had a chance to shoot those, but I, on my, I think it was twenty third twenty second or twenty third birthday i I got to fire off a broadside, a nine gun broadside. they that wasn't my normal station to pull the trigger on that, but I was in the wow. computer room where that happened. Here Bill, shoot this one. And so boom and wow. yeah that the, Can you
1: still hear the sound in your head? Oh yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> you feel it. you don't just hear it, you feel it. Um, and so one thing that every fire controlman wants to do especially with the big guns is to actually see the weapon going off so i um, early in my career on the battleship i they, I went topside and uh, got to watch him shoot and so not unlike these headphones I'm wearing now you'd have these Mickey Mouse ears to protect your ear, your uh-huh. hearing and where I was standing it slams you in the chest it's like really hard thump on the chest and it pushes the, the headphones clear off. Wow. I mean it like pushes them back. I mean it's a blast of hot air that hits you. When the, and so you don't just hear it you feel it and it's smoke and it's just like this big dragon just went off and it's wow. shooting these little Volkswagen cars 20 miles away. If they, and so it, it's it, it's over. Ne- we're never going to see that kind of thing again. Right. Wow. And, uh, yeah it was it, it was pretty neat. Wow. I got a rush just here to tell the story. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> can't so, imagine standing there. And
4: So you asked about Linda Berry, that workshop set off in me a lot of memories, a lot of things. So we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of Desert Storm That in January. It'll be 30 years. So throughout this past year, since I did that workshop, occasionally something will come to mind and I'll, I'll draw up a scene or, or have, have a, memories of things that happened in, in Desert Storm. And it's kind of neat to have some new skills that I, I didn't have before I kind of started studying her and learning from her. So.
1: Right, yeah. And people can, if people are interested to see those, they're online.
4: I'm putting them on Facebook and, and Instagram. I'm
3: experimenting with a lot of different social media Yeah. seeing how yes. that's going. So. It's fun to follow. Cowboys love to train animals. Sometimes the animals can train us. This poem is entitled, Horse Training. On a hot summer morning, I walked out to train, a young horse we were teaching to ride and to rain. The flies were a-buzzin' in the hot morning sun as I walked to the barn with my two little sons. One said, Dad, you see those two horses right there standing together like they were a pair? They get close together and that's how they graze, but their heads are facing in opposite ways. So the head of the one's by the tail of the other. Why do they do that? He asked me and his brother. I said, you're a mighty observant young man, and I'll answer your question the best that I can. You see, there's lots of flies around this cow lot. They're a natural pest that we've always got. The horse uses his tail to shoe off those flies like I do with my hand if the need should arise. But the tail is too short to reach that horse's head, so they've learned they can partner with another horse instead. They can stand close together, one's head by the other's tail, then they can shoe the flies off each other without fail. So that's why the horses stand together that way. Now go in the barn and get them some hay. While the boys did their chores, I stopped and I thought, there's a message for me in that lesson I taught. If horses can learn to cooperate too, there's no limit to what we as people can do. There's some things a person can't do as just one. When we work together, so much more can get done. If we partner together, which is really my druthers, we'll share the rewards as we serve each other. It's a mutual benefit that we can treasure if, like all those horses, we all stand together. It was time to begin that pony's training lessons, but I looked at my kids and thanked God for my blessings. At supper that night, my wife says to me, how'd that training go for the new pony? I said it went well, but not in the usual way. My kids and my horses taught me a lot today. Happy training.
5: Surecrop Fertilizers were started by my father, Don Sherman, and my mother, Shirley Sherman. Family business that started in the 80s, we predominantly focus on plant nutrients and what we can do to give growers better responses for, with the fertilizer dollars that they do and what we can do to you know, make those things work better for the grower based out of Sonica, Kansas. We work with growers in their soil analysis to figure out what they need, and then we can put those in a blend that gives them the best results and so that we can deliver that direct to their farm so that they have those nutrients where they need them, when they need them, and so that they can apply them in a manner that's, that's very efficient to them and, and works well in their planting systems and what they're doing. Sure Crop Fertilizers has been around for a long time. We always say we're, we're big enough to take care of everything you need, but yet we're small enough to do it quickly. You can get a hold of us at 1-800-635-4743. Um, our website is SureCropFertilizers.com. And you can always email me at corey at SureCropFertilizers.com. And with any questions you have, we would like glad to answer it and work with you.
1: Next time you see a beautiful field of corn, reach out and thank the farmers who work tirelessly to raise corn, for livestock feed, renewable fuels, and exports to feed a growing world population. The farmers on the Kansas Corn Commission work for Kansas Corn with grower-funded checkoff dollars that support foreign and domestic market development, research, promotion, and education to expand
3: opportunities for Kansas farmers. To learn more, visit kscorn.com. Grain sorghum is one of the most important cereal crops worldwide, and Kansas leads the nation in its production. Over the years, sorghum has been either exported, used in animal feed domestically, or for other industrial uses. Recently, its use in the ethanol market has seen tremendous growth, with 30% of domestic sorghum typically going to ethanol production. Kansas Grain Sorghum is committed to sorghum research, market development, and education. Learn more at ksgrainsorghum.org. This segment
1: brought to you by Kansas Farm Bureau, the voice of agriculture. To join today or for more information, go to kfb.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter.
2: Michelle has shared a couple of stories with us about the Kansas-Oklahoma connections, and she's got another great one today. She used to live in Bartlesville, so she's got a special place in her heart for Bartlesville, and many Kansans should as well, and she's going to tell you why. Good morning, Michelle.
0: Good morning, Deb. Today, we will learn how a Kansas Civil War Cavalry Unit and the communities of Bartlesville and Dewey and Oklahoma are connected. During the Civil War, Kansas sent thousands of young men to fight. Leaders from Fort Scott appealed to Brigadier General Nathaniel Lyon in July 1861 and three companies of Home Guard infantry were organized Three companies of men were not enough to protect southeastern Kansas from the threat of Confederate invasion from Missouri, Arkansas, or the Indian Territory. In August 1861, the 6th Kansas Regiment of Volunteer Cavalry was organized. Two young men, Jacob Bartles and Nelson Carr, joined the 6th Kansas and rode off to war. During the war, the 6th Kansas saw action in Missouri, Arkansas, and the Indian Territory. The men of the 6th Kansas were described as brothers who would fight to the death to protect their fellow soldiers, homes, and families. At war's end, many of these young men returned to their families. Some, like Jacob and Nelson, struck out in search of new opportunities. The Indian Territory was just the place to start a new life. There was only one problem. Jacob and Nelson were white and could not legally live in the Indian Territory. Eventually, Nelson became a postmaster at Oswego, Kansas, and opened a small trading post. There, he met the father of Sarah Ann Rogers, a Cherokee woman. She was attractive and kind. When the couple married in 1866, Nelson and Sarah made their home in the Indian Territory. In 1870, Nelson cut a channel from one side of the Caney River to the other, and laid the foundation for and built the first mill in what would become Washington County. Meanwhile, Jacob returned to Quindaro, Kansas, after the war. He met Nanny Journeycake, the daughter of a Delaware chief and preacher. The couple married in 1866, and then in 1873 they made their way to the Cherokee Nation. Jacob established a post office along Turkey Creek, and in 1875 he purchased Nelson's Mill. In a feat of skill and engineering, Jacob had the mill moved several miles north of its original location. The settlement that grew up around the mill was named Dewey. There, Jacob and Nanny built a fine hotel and raised their family. The two former warriors, who fought together in the Civil War, laid the foundations for the eventual towns of Bartlesville and Dewey in the Indian Territory. As the years passed, Jacob and Nelson reminisced about their wartime service. In 1893, the two men became charter members of Bartlesville Post 37, Department of Oklahoma Grand Army of the Republic. Today, you can visit Bartlesville and Dewey and see the legacies left by both men. I want to thank Debbie Nice and the Bartlesville Area History Museum for many of today's amazing images. I hope you'll join me next time for another historical adventure somewhere around Kansas. Thank you for sharing
2: your day with us. I'm Deb Goodrich and I'll see you somewhere around Kansas.
1: Closed captioning brought to you by Ag Promo Source. Together we grow. Learn more at agpromosource.com.